The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. The show, as always, presented by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name and they will take good care of you. You'll get a free estimate. If you've been thinking about new windows, now is the time to call 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Tommy, we got some really good reviews. Uh, Rate us and review us if you haven't done it on Apple and Spotify uh, subscribe to the podcast. That helps follow us as well. This from uh, E-Dude, my go-to podcast. He gives us five stars. I love Kevin and Tommy. A great rapport between the two of them. Excellent sports analysis and some TV and movies thrown in for good measure. And Tom's travel adventures are cherries atop the Sunday. <laughs> um, thank you, uh, E-Dude. Uh, from... Marky Mark, uh, he writes, where the hell's Cooley been? Exclamation point, exclamation point. Yeah, I talked to him the other day. He's just not paying attention right now. I cannot get him to pay attention to the football team here. Uh, but um, it doesn't mean that he won't this weekend. So we'll see how that goes. He, The wrestling uh, season has started. And um, so he's coaching wrestling for one of the junior college powerhouse wrestling programs in America um, out in Powell, Wyoming. So we'll get him on uh, soon, I promise. Jay Gruden will be on tomorrow. Uh, We had Santana Moss on the show yesterday. I love Santana Moss. He's one of my favorite former players. Just one of the nicest people ever and was really a good player for this franchise during, you know, some bleak years, although a couple of those Gibbs years were good years. Uh, how are you, Tommy? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. You're right. Santana Moss was one of the things that, at the time, Redskins fans could point to and feel proud of. Always. You know? yeah. They could say, he plays for us and yeah. feel good about that. And when your team is bad, you really treasure those kind of players. Yeah, I mean, and he had so many moments. Like, there weren't many moments during the Dan Snyder era, but the Monday night comeback in Dallas uh, in September of 2005, down 13-0, Mark Brunel to Santana Moss twice. I mean, he was on the receiving end 
of two incredible late-game touchdowns in one of the real memorable Redskins-Cowboys games, not just of the Snyder era, of all time. You know, and he had some memorable plays. I remember when he caught the hitch and took it to the end zone in overtime to beat Jacksonville 36 to 30, I think it was. Um, and he's great too because he's got a phenomenal memory of all of those things and is a very good storyteller. So if you missed Santana yesterday, we always end up talking about other things. Um, not just the topic of the day, which was the trade yesterday, uh, but we all always end up talking about something else. Um, well, let's let's get one topic not of the day out of the way because I wanted to share this with you guys. You know, we do walking down memory lane better than anybody. We do. Okay, we do. In fact, listen, the reality is we do everything better than everybody. Okay. Okay. But this is this was a little walk down memory lane I fa- I came across on the internet. Do you remember Beefsteak Charlie's? Yes, I do. I do remember Beefsteak Charlie's. Uh, they were everywhere in yeah. the 80s. Yes, they I think you know, was, they were I think usually that, a Beefsteak yeah. Charlie's in a mall or other places. I think there was one in Tennessee. And uh, and listen to these prices. Like a boneless sirloin, four ninety nine. Filet mignon, seven ninety nine. But that's the food. That's irrelevant. That really doesn't matter. The deal with these steak trolleys was, it was all the beer and wine you could drink. I don't remember that. Oh yes, I remember that. I would have remembered. Clearly. I would have remembered that. Um, all the why beer are you, and wine. Why are you bringing this up? Bria, I found it online somewhere, just breezing through some stuff. What do you mean? Like, they're, they're still around? No, there's an ad, an old ad. Somebody posted an old ad. Okay. For a beefsteak Charlie's. And that was, look, in a fraternity in Miami, after fraternity meetings on Sunday night, we headed to beefsteak Charlie's, and we, we basically drank them out of existence that night when we went. Yeah. All the beer you could drink. I don't remember that. I think there was one in Tenley. Uh, if I recall, there was one in Tenley. There may have been one on like M Street tour uh, in Georgetown. Maybe think about that. Anyway, all, all yeah. the wine you could drink with dinner. Yeah. No. I mean, think about the possibility. Can't imagine it was good wine. Like, <laughs> but still, um, yeah. I mean. You're seeing these prices. What's the year on? I mean, what do you? I think it's in the eighties somewhere. I don't know where the year is here. Hold on, let me just. It's in the eighties. That was their heyday. Yeah. Beefsteak Charlie's. Beefsteak Charlie's. Here's uh, look at this. Here's a story called Beefsteak Charlie's, and it's in the Washington Post, February eighteenth, nineteen eighty-two. Oh, it's just a kind of review. Prices the entrees six ninety nine to fifteen ninety nine. Kids twelve and under eat for five cents on Sundays from one to four when accompanied by an adult for ordering dinner. Uh, reservations not required. Credit cards are all accepted. Tommy. Um, so what do they say? Nothing about the free I beer. I stopped in at the Bethesda branch. All right, the Bethesda branch. I'm going to guess was on Wisconsin Avenue. Um, on one cold Sunday, yeah, okay, I'm not going to read the whole story, but there's a story here about it. Oh, there's a K Street branch. I, I, was, I said M Street. Actually, I meant K Street. I, I, I remember okay. the one on K Street. 
I think there was one in Tenley, too. Doesn't say it here. Okay. Beefsteak Charlie's. Blast from the past. Anything else? No, it just brings up a lot of fond memories <laughs> of when drinking beer for free meant I wouldn't fall asleep after the second pitcher. Yeah. Um, I don't. It doesn't say in this story, by the way, free alcohol and free beer. Or all that you can I'm drink. I'm looking in. at the ad right here. That's that's incredible. And I remember it that way. That was the attraction. I can tell you this. You know, in 1982, they weren't concerned about anybody being bombed and getting into their car and driving home. That was pre... What really started yes. it was Mothers Against Drunk Driving. That's what really yes. started the... I mean, I can remember... I mean, it was not a big deal when I was in high school, drinking and driving. It became a bigger deal when I was in college and, and later on. Um, oh, I look, I, we, in East Stroudsburg, one night a cop stopped me, and I was drunk. I was clearly drunk. Yeah. And I went to school with his daughter, so he parked my car and drove me home. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm surprised he didn't just say, hey, wake up, just be alert, just do your best to try to get home. Um, all right. Uh, let me just read something real quickly um, from Christian. Christian sent me an email. Kevin, your outrage and disappointment about the leaks that came from the commanders about Chase Young were appropriate. Uh, I'm a psychologist, and I believe you had it right. This was an insecure, cover-your-own-you-know-what move by the team. As you said, it was like Dan and Bruce were back in the building and things hadn't changed. However, your passion should have been equally directed towards Chase Young. From my seat, he played a big part in his own demise here in Washington. He flashed as a rookie and thought he had arrived. From that moment, he was more interested in being a star off the field than on it. Missing one or a few voluntary OTA sessions is fine. Missing all of them when you're a team captain isn't. The tone was set with his coaches early on. For teams to succeed, your most talented players have to be the most committed. He never was. I agree with you on the leaks, petty, insecure, and small, but we knew most of what was leaked yesterday anyway. Um, thank you, Christian. You can email me, by the way, and Tommy, through the show's website, thekevinsheehanshow.com. You can tweet me at Kevin Sheehan DC. Tweet Tommy at Tom Lavero. I mean, I, I, I know that what was – I mean, I think Christian understands this, and I want to get your take on this too, Tommy, but I know what was leaked – to you know, Mike Silver and to Standig and to everybody, and all of us were getting texts and calls. I mean, Tommy, they were falling all over themselves on Tuesday to leak all of the stuff about Chase Young. I understand that a lot of us have heard a lot of that over the years, but that was not the point. The point was that you know uh, they 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 were insecure and they cared about what everybody thought and they. They they ran the bus over him on the way out of town, and I just thought that that would that reeked of of Dan and Bruce, and I was hoping things would change. And I would not probably say, um, no, I wouldn't say that the owner, the new owner, had necessarily anything to do with it. Ron was asked about this, by the way, yesterday. David Aldridge asked him about the leaks and the information on on Chase, you know, and Ron, you know, acted like it, it was very disappointing that that stuff got out. Um, but, uh, that was very disingenuous. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, Mike Silver yes. is Ron Rivera's boy. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Mike Silver uh, worked 
Ron hired Silver when he first came to the team because Silver was out of a job to do some writing for Redskins.com. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes. Um, so that was obvious where that from. I don't have the same issues that you do with it. One thing, because it's 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 probably true. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, you know, I I, and, I and acknowledge that, count, that truth counts for something. I acknowledge that. You know, why? And also, I'm betting that there was a lot of resentment uh, among that coaching staff at Chase Young, and when you build up those kind of resentments, you pay the price. Yeah, but it's still it's still low road. You would agree with that. It, 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 you know what? It may be low road, but I think they knew what they were doing when they got on that road. I don't think they did. I think I, it was... I think that they had. I think that they figured that okay. You know, this guy. You know, we we invested in him. We drafted him number two. We made him a team captain, and he never acted like any of those. Then why didn't and you do something about off. it while you had him? See, that's my problem. That's a good point. Is is, is first of all, the the low road, when you say they knew what they were doing, what they were doing and whether or not they knew, you know, they thought about it, um, they were covering their own ass, as this guy Christian said. They were concerned about what people would think about getting basically a fourth-round pick for Chase Young. I mentioned this on the podcast yesterday. On Tuesday afternoon, I got a call saying, what do you think the reaction to this trade's going to be? And I said, well, why should you care? Don't give a shit about what anybody thinks, your fans, the media. If you think this was the right thing to do, do it and let it stand on its own. Uh, but no, they couldn't do that. They wanted to. They wanted to create. By the way, it was already out there because they had told people all along for the last two years that this guy was difficult to coach. Ron pretty much said it multiple times, you know, in press conferences about maturity and adhering to the scheme. I just think that to do to to leak that it's addition by subtraction and to talk about how you know he was undisciplined and and was looking for splashy plays and wasn't coachable and all the stuff that they leaked to Mike Silver. I just thought it was bush league. You're not going to change my mind on that, but um, but I but I I acknowledge I acknowledge it's it's I'm pretty sure it's all true, and yes, yeah. I think that what, what what I was going to get to after what 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 had me going there to start with is this: it's cowardly, in my opinion, to rip him anonymously on the way out. When, as you just described, there was some pent-up frustration, pent-up, however you described it. Well, you should have coached him harder then. You should have coached him for three and a half years. You shouldn't have given him a, a, you shouldn't have made him captain. You shouldn't have, you know, you shouldn't have let him play, by the way, more snaps than any D lineman over the last month. If he was such an, a, a subtraction, if you're adding so much by subtraction, why has he been playing so much? Why was he coddled? I mean, you benched Forbes this year. You should have benched him. You should have coached him harder. That's what I would say to that. If you were so frustrated that, that you had to anonymously that, that, look, leak, you should have coached him harder. It is, it is a cover-your-ass thing. Uh, I think they were angry, maybe in part, that they had to cover their ass that they had to basically deal him because he was disappointing. But you're right. Uh, they didn't want to answer those questions while he was here. So they didn't want to bench him and answer these questions. Yeah, well, that's cowardly. 
You know, and Get by it. the way, you probably, I mean, he was out injured for all that time, but you probably hurt your team. If you really didn't think that you, if you really think you're adding by sub- subtraction with him being traded, you hurt your team every time you put yeah, him on the people, field. But people make uh, allowances for number yeah, one and number two draft picks. I understand that. All the time. I don't know. I did, by the way, it's unfair, Christian, for you to say that I didn't, uh, I did not let Chase off the hook at all. I, I understand that Chase Young is very responsible, you know, even at 24 years old for his own demise here. I'm not taking him off the hook at all. I was more upset yesterday about just the feeling that we were right back with Dan and Bruce in the front office with these anonymous leaks smearing this guy on the way out of town. And it's like, I just didn't understand the point. And uh, Tommy, you know, Tommy's point is probably spot on in that there's a lot of pent up, a lot of built up and, and, and Christian's point, uh, they're covering their own ass. And I got a call. They were concerned about what people would think. I wish they wouldn't be concerned about what people think anymore and just do the right thing. But really in thinking about it, that you know, it's it's just it's it's not only low rent; it's cowardly to rip this guy when you had him in front of your face for three and a half years. You know, you should have coached him better. You should have coached him harder. And if he didn't respond, then you should have cut him, or you should have traded him earlier. And I understand he was injured, but you should have definitely benched him. You know, if this if it, so anyway, what what. I know what I know what you're saying in that they shouldn't care what what people think about them and in and uh you know in in terms of personal courage uh that would be fine but I don't think you can operate like that in this day and age unless you're Bill Belichick and the Bill Belichick who wasn't 2 and 6 okay well but look other what... than that I think you better care what people are saying about you because it can it can drive your business Okay, that's fair, but if you're going to care, then then operate uh, in, a, in in a way or respond to uh, caring about what people think in a different way. Because what they did yesterday or two days ago backfired. No reasonable yes, person. Probably, no, was, was, they're not good at. They're not good at communicating. I mean, no reasonable person sees these anonymous quotes <laughs> about this kid and thinks. Oh my God! Let me go buy some tickets. They were right all along. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so glad they got a fourth rounder for him. End of the third round, but compensatory end of the third round. Here's something for you. Oh, um, I didn't mention this yesterday, and I was reminded of it after the show yesterday. Um, I had asked Ben Standing on radio like week two, week three. Why is Chase Young standing up and Montez Sweat isn't? Why is Chase Young in a two-point stance and Montez Sweat is in a three-point stance? He said, I I have no idea. It's a good question. I'll ask. And it never got asked. But somebody reached out to me recently and told me it's what Chase wants to do. Chase feels more comfortable being up in a two-point stance most of the time on certain calls or whatever. Oh, yeah, and, and they don't like it. And so... I haven't mentioned that, but they were not thrilled by it, apparently. Again, another example, well, then make them get down in a three-point stance. You're the coach. Like, Okay, there so, is another point of view here yeah. to consider. If Chase Young 
was the was the talent that everybody thought he was coming out of Ohio State when Rivera drafted him with their first pick in 2020. Uh, and if he's if he's a generational talent, which he probably is not, but in the beginning, if he was, or shouldn't you? Shouldn't you relax the coaching and pretty much kind of let him do what he wants to do? I like, I love your point of view. I love that point of view. I, uh, when the first in 2021, in the early portion of that season, when they were talking about gap integrity and adhering to the scheme and maturity, I said exactly what you just said. I said, you know, sometimes when you have, you know, a generational type of talent like Bill Parcells had with Lawrence Taylor, maybe you can't be as rigid with that player. Maybe sometimes it's just go get the quarterback, you know, and let him and turn him loose. But to your point, certainly post-injury, he may not be that generational talent anymore. No, he may not be that. But in the beginning, yeah, you know, until he got hurt, I mean, you know, I would say I was thinking back. It's it's just so reminiscent in many ways of Lavar Arrington. Lavar Arrington's the most physically gifted football player I've ever seen. Okay, I th- I, th- I think he could have played fullback right. in the NFL, let alone linebacker. Right. But he had the same issues as Chase Young. He thought he was a star, and on the field, he didn't accept coaching well. Now, you know. uh, uh, because he he just felt like he wanted to get the quarterback, you know, because he felt like he could impact every play. And sometimes you have to let you have to let them express. Davy Johnson would say, "Let them express their talent." Right. I think sometimes it has to do with the coach too, because Marty Schottenheimer got him to play the way he wanted him yes. to play. Um, it's funny because I think. I think there's so much truth to that. And I think like a Gibbs, I think of Gibbs, right? Gibbs, let Dexter Manley be Dexter Manley. Let Gary Clark be Gary Clark. Let John Riggins be John Riggins because he was smart enough to understand these people are so good at what they do that I'm so much better off being relaxed with them and having them perform for me than trying to be rigid and losing them. Um, and so, I, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to quickly make this just about a personal experience because it's one of my, I'm telling you one of these days, there's a friend of mine who coaches high school basketball. The two of us have decided one of these days, we're just going to write a book and maybe you can help me, you know, um, like I helped you get the screenplay submitted wherever the treatment or whatever. Um, but it's basically just going to be every chapter is going to be a, a parent story. You know, coaching kids, and it's going to be a parent story because there are so many of them to go around. But I'm going to tell you one real quickly. I was coaching this team, I don't know, it was probably like 15 years ago. And I had a kid that was very talented. He went on to play Division I college basketball, actually in the Ivy League. And um, and every other, kid, every other kid I had on the team just wasn't very good. I mean, it just was not a very good team that I was coaching in this particular moment. But I had this one kid. And in one particular uh, stretch of games, it was an eighth grader. He had like 39, 34, 29, 35 in like four straight games. And we won two of them and lost two of them because we were not very good. 
And after one of the games, I walk out into the parking lot, and there are like five parents standing by my car. Coach, can we talk to you for a little bit? I said, of course. Is it typical that one player takes almost all of the shots? (laughs) And I said, no, it's not. But on this team, it is. On this team, this is what we have to do. And then I proceeded to kind of go down the list of their of the kids, their their uh, specific sons. And you know, your son is an incredible defender. Uh, he's really good for us. And 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 as a screener, your son over here is super high IQ. He's a great passer. So I built up their kids, but. I explained to them that on this team, one player was going to take the majority of the shots, but it was the way it had to happen. That isn't exactly what you're talking about, but yes, they should have been more flexible, perhaps, but I don't think we're dealing with... If he was as good as we all thought he was. If, if, yes. I think he certainly showed some flashes his rookie year. But I, I don't know. What, the bottom line is that coaching staff isn't that kind of coaching staff. You know, if no, they're not. Parcells, I don't see Jack Del Rio being that kind of guy. Yeah, Parcells probably would have just said, yeah, we got a problem with this one, but look at how good he is. Let's just turn him loose. 99, it's third and 10, go get the quarterback. 99, just yeah. go get the ball. Maybe that was it. But that wasn't this group. You know, the ultimate example of Gibbs doing what you did, what you said he did, yeah, more recent is Clinton Portis. Clinton, he 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 knew that on Sunday, Clinton Portis would post and do what he had to do to win the game. Right. Okay. <clears throat> Monday through Saturday was not a big particular concern for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and as it relates to Chase Young, maybe maybe they would say, yeah, he wasn't that good as it turned out. And so we couldn't have him just, you know. The bottom line is he ended up playing a lot and freelancing a lot anyway. And the truth of the matter, yeah. as Ron likes to say, is it didn't generate a lot of results. Not after no, the injury. Didn't. not. And he's had, and, and he, he had some good games say- this year. And, and you can't say it's not like he was the lone wolf on that defensive line. Look at the guys who were right next to him. Right. You know, it's not like he was being triple teamed every play. Right. Maybe Kyle Shanahan and that group out there, Steve Wilkes, will handle it differently, you know, with him when he gets out there. I, I mean, I was I, – I, look, I – I was dead wrong. I mean, I was rooting for them to lose to the Giants that year so that they would get the number two pick and be able to select Chase Young. I thought watching him at Ohio State, this was the next big defensive player in the NFL. Like, well, you weren't alone, obviously. And, yeah, and and that, um, but clearly, you know, he 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 has some. He's got a lot of the blame to take upon himself. And maybe getting out of you this know, town will help. Who knows? Yeah, maybe maybe it will. Uh, in my column in today's Washington Times, which I write about Chase Young, and you can read it on the WashingtonTimes.com slash sports. Uh, you can find it on my Twitter and Facebook page as well. Uh, I, I borrowed one of your comparisons. I didn't give you credit for it, of course. You never do. But I borrowed... 
the other day when you were set, talking about expectations, you know, and you mentioned Max Crosby. Yeah, for the Raiders. Remember? Yep. That's a game changer. Yeah. That, that's a game wrecker. Right. I think a lot of people thought they were getting that when they drafted Chase Young. Yeah, we did. Um, how about this? He's got to go down as one of the all-time franchise draft busts in history. And think about this list, right, just from this century. LeVar Arrington was taken number two overall. Uh, RG3 was taken number two overall. Actually, was Chris Samuels two and, and LeVar was three? Whatever it was. Chris Samuels, I think it was. No, LeVar was two and Chris Samuels was three. I okay. And, um, and RG3 was two. And then Chase Young was two. I mean, LeVar... For Lavar was injured. Lavar had issues, but a lot of it was injury related. But Lavar yes. had some seasons here. The Marty season was a good season. He had the Marvin Lewis with yes. Spurrier season. Um, yes, he did. So uh, he's not on that list of all time busts. No, I don't uh, put him on that list. He was disappointing, but not a bust. Yeah, because like like with Chase Young, you're right. I mean, the expectations were so high. And I don't put it all on him either because I do think that injuries really ended up playing a role. And by the way, I think if Marty had stayed, LeVar would have turned into that player here. Uh, if he had stayed healthy, but injuries were a big deal. But anyway, um, Heath Schuler is the number one all-time bust draft choice for me. Taken number three overall in the 94 draft. He just could not play at all. Couldn't play at all. Couldn't learn the offense, couldn't remember the plays, couldn't call the plays. Gus Farratt, the seventh-round pick that year, same draft, uh, ends up starting midway through that season, and he ends up having the long career. I think Schuler's number one on the list of the all-time franchise busts in terms of the draft. But Chase Young, he's up there on the list. He might be number two. Oh, yeah. Would you put Desmond Howard number two? I mean, Desmond Howard was a massive dis- disappointment. He was picked fourth overall, I'm pretty sure, in the 92 yes. draft. It was after they were champs. Um, and, you know, the famous line from Jeff Bostic, he's asked by a reporter after practice when Desmond Howard finally had had uh, reported, um, so how did Desmond Howard do? And he said, he can't play. And, he, and the reporter said, Are, well, he is, he's hurt? No, no, he, he can't play in this league because he can't get off the line of scrimmage. <laughs> like, you know, the veteran players knew the first practice. And by the way, Bostic wasn't wrong. He did not play a big-time wide receiver in the league. He was a very good kick returner, you know, yes, for, for the Packers. Um, but, uh, yeah, how, Desmond Howard's up there. No doubt. How Desmond Howard, Chase Young, Heath Schuler. I mean, we're talking about high picks here because Andre Johnson, the guy that they traded into the first round to take in 90, whatever year that was, 97, 96, um, from Penn State to tackle, never actually played, I don't think, in an NFL game, and he was a first-round pick. Um RG3's up there. Josh Doxson's up there. But he was picked later in the first round. 22nd overall, I think. Uh, but Chase is... He's near... He's top three. Top three, top four. You know, it's and it still amazes me. That 2000 draft where they drafted LeVar Arrington and Chris Samuels, one after the other. Yeah. That's a franchise-changing draft. 
Yeah. You have two change, like franchise changing players because Chris Samuels was an out. He's one probably the top three uh, tackles in, in the in the history of the franchise behind Lachey and 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 Joe. No, Trent. You know, Trent. Trent. Trent I think ultimate. Well, it's fine. Well, you can keep Chris Samuels where you've got him. He was a great left tackle, no doubt. Right. Okay. When you draft those guys two and three, and you have what they had to show for it, that's just stunning. That's really stunning. I know. Well, that was you know that was the Snyder that was Snyder's first draft because when he took over the yeah. team in '99, they had already drafted and Charlie had made the big trade with you know Mike Ditka, you know that landed right. him Champ Bailey and and um, you know that pick and. And uh, the uh, that draft, um, the 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 number one player in the draft was the Penn State kid um, that played with Lavar Arrington. Um, oh God, Courtney Brown, Ricky Williams, Courtney Brown. No, oh Courtney Brown, Courtney, Courtney Brown. Brown. Yeah. Right, that's right. Yeah, uh, Williams, and uh, and so that yeah, and and I still wonder like with two and three. Why they took Lavar first and Samuels third, or you know, it's second and Samuels third rather than the other way around? I think I've asked Charlie that before. I think I've asked Charlie because Charlie was in charge of that draft in two thousand, right? Yes. Or not? Yes. Yeah. No, he was gone by. He was gone by that. By, as soon yeah. as Snyder took over, right, he right, fired right, Charlie. Right. right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So what's his face uh, was was helping out. Well, Vinny, Vinny, Vinny was 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 in in charge of the draft, but they had somebody else that actually had the general manager title in two thousand. Really? Yeah, I think so. I don't recall that. It was it was Vinny. Who am I thinking yeah. of? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know either. Uh, Vinny was in charge of that draft trying to find the name that I'm looking for that I can't pull. Seems to be an issue here today. Although I did pull Courtney Brown out of my ass there. Yes, you um, did. Okay. What else on the big trades? Well, they're going to play them. When did they play the 49ers? The second last game of the year? Yeah, something like that. Oh, I know what I wanted to yeah. ask. Here's what I wanted to ask you. I... Did you see, because you mentioned Mike Silver. Mike Silver and I talked about it yesterday in the podcast. He was hired by them in July of 2021. He had been with the NFL Network. He had been a longtime NFL you know, insider, reporter, and was a friend of Ron Rivera's. They both went to Cal. He had a big relationship with Ron, and they hired him when he was out of work to come work yeah. for the organization. He basically wrote for the website. He was part of the podcast. And as I mentioned yesterday, he was actually the on-field television reporter for the preseason games that summer. So, you know, his tweet or his article in the Chronicle um, San Francisco Chronicle included the line that, you know, Chase Young, according to several commanders, coaches, and other organizational sources, was viewed as an undisciplined player who developed bad habits, such as deviating from assignments in an effort to make splash plays, etc. So Grant Paulson, uh, quote tweeted, quote retweeted Mike Silver's, you know, tweet of that line as part of the story and Grant you know wrote Silver worked for the commanders a couple of years ago friendship with Rivera dates back to their time at Cal and when he says something about what Washington thinks you can take it to the bank well did you see that Mike Silver responded to that with a fist bump emoji did he really yes so he was he was saying 
he liked Grant's tweet? I think so. It was a fist bump. Yes. Emoji. It, I mean, to me, oh, when I saw that, I'm like, are you serious? Like, you just basically, even if you didn't mean to, which I think he did, but you just basically confirmed that Ron was the source for all these quotes about <laughs> Chase Young, right? Yes. Yes, he did. You're right. I mean, I've had Mike on the show before. I mean, I had him on when he was working for the team. I had him on before he ever came to the team when he was just an NFL. I mean, that's, that wasn't – maybe he meant something different, but that wasn't very bright, was it? No. No, it, I, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking when he did that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it speaks to it speaks to everything still in the bill. This is why I wrote after the game Sunday. Fans would just as soon fast forward the rest of the season, get on to the new coaches and the new general managers, and just you know because there's a sense that you're still carrying Dan Snyder's baggage even though there's a new owner yeah it's time it's time although I really believe and I want to um I haven't seen or heard the Jack Del Rio or Eric Bianami uh pressers from today because they speak today and actually I did see um Kime tweet something that Del Rio said about Chase Young he said something here it is when that pick was selected nobody envisioned it would go the way it has in terms of mistimed injuries whatever and ultimately end up being traded not exactly what we were all anticipating great young man wish him the best that's what they should have you know said officially and not leaked anything great yeah. young man wish him the best um anyway uh i what i was going to say is i think out there there is this feeling defensively anyway you know, I don't think they really wanted to trade Montez Sweat. They just got an offer that they couldn't refuse. But they, um, I think they think they're going to be more productive now with Chase gone. I, well, I, I, you talk yourself into that mode? Am I talking myself into it? Or what are you asking? No, I don't mean you. Yeah, right. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're at an organization that just suffered a loss of talent, okay, isn't there a tendency – to talk yourself into the mode, well, well, we'll we'll circle the wagons and we'll be stronger. Yeah, no, no, no. You're right. Yes, I agree with you. I I think that they feel and have felt all this year that they are much better than their record indicates, and that defensively it's been disappointing. Clearly, um, but now maybe you know on defense they feel a little bit better about things um i mean you know they did say it's addition by subtraction uh, as it relates to chase uh i think you know they're also very optimistic right now in the moment after last sunday about sam howell and look those guys are you know they lo- they know what their fate is but they would love to change you know, the exit narrative on them by, you know, somehow winning, you know, five of their final nine or what would they, they're three and five right now. They got nine games left. So to get to, they're going to have to win six of their final nine to get to nine and eight and probably a playoff spot. I don't see that happening, but I could see him beating New England on Sunday. Oh, I, Sunday's a win. 
Oh, that's got victory written all over. Hold on, don't give me your final score yet. That comes up in the next segment. Okay. Um, I can't wait to hear this. It's got victory written all over it. Really? This that's exactly what you said about the Giants game. So that that can, that concerns me. Um, let's get to that. Tommy's prediction. We'll get to some other things as well right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Tommy, I found the name that I was looking for that I couldn't pull. Joe Mendez is who I was thinking of. Joe was, for a brief period of time in the early to mid-2000s, actually had the VP of Football Ops title. He was working with Vinny and with Pepper Rogers, who was in the organization as well. But it was Joe Mendez was the name I was trying to pull. And he was more of the salary cap guy at the time. Um, okay. Tell us about Shelley's. Well, you know, it's it's what November. Today's November second, right? Right. Okay. Uh, whether we like it or not, uh, commercially, everybody's in a Christmas mode right now. Right. You know, I know Thanksgiving's coming up, but you see Christmas decorations out there. I walked by a place. I saw a Toys for Tots box for Christmas out there. So. People are getting ready to be in the Christmas mode. And if you go down to Shelly's, you'll see it's a, t- it's a great place for Christmas parties. Yeah. You'll see a lot. You, you might walk into a place where they have two different rooms, and in the other room, they could be having some kind of Christmas party. That's a regular occurrence. 
at Shelly's. So it's a great place to have a party. But if you want to throw your own personal party for uh, a family member or a friend, here's a great Christmas gift. Gift cards for Shelly's Back Room. You can go online yeah. and buy gift cards from Shelly's from $5 to $500. Okay? It's easy to do. You just go to Shelly'sBackroom.com, fill out the information. You can make it personalized, the card, and this way you're giving your friend, your loved one, whatever, a chance to experience Shelly on your dime for Christmas. Shelly's Back Room, 1331 F Street Northwest in the district. Great idea. Really good idea. Yes. Um, so before we get to your prediction, Bobby Knight passed away yesterday at the age of 83. Uh, you know, I'm not a Bobby Knight expert by any stretch of the imagination. I had Gary Williams on the show this morning. Gary coached uh, against him when he was at Ohio State um, all of those years. But I thought, you know, other than understanding that this was, as everybody said about a million times yesterday, last night, and this morning, he was a very complicated figure. I think we all understand that. He was a great coach. Like, as a basketball, you know, person and someone who loves the sport, Bobby Knight's teams were just, you know, incredibly well coached. They were incredible man-to-man defensive teams. You know, as Gary mentioned to me this morning, and it's something I didn't even know, I just knew that they ran motion offense, you know, five-man motion offense as well as anybody in the country during his years at Indiana. And Gary said basically, you know, it was hard to kind of scout them because it's not like they ran plays. They didn't run plays. They had you know, a motion offense with rules within that offense. But Gary pointed out, you know, his idea essentially was, you know, his best players took the shots, period. You know, if you weren't one of the better offensive players or shooters, you didn't get to shoot. You know, you got to set screens. You got to pass. You got to hit the offensive glass. And his 76 championship team with Kent Benson and Quinn Buckner and Scott May is the last undefeated college basketball team. Their 75 team, some people think, was even better, but Scott May got hurt, and they won the national championship going away beating Michigan. But I was thinking, um, other than asking you for your thoughts on Bobby Knight, but I wanted to have a conversation about, you know, kind of where Knight ranks just all time on the list of American sports coaches, because he's on the short list of the greatest American sports coaches, pro or college, of all time, regardless of what your feelings are about him. He's in a t- he's probably in the top 10, top 15 on anybody's list. But anyway, tell me what your thoughts are on Bobby Knight passing away. Did you ever have a chance well, to interview uh, him or cover him? Uh, no, I've been in press conferences with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, look, complicated to me is a synonym for asshole. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it, it, that's what it is. That's what uh-huh. people say when, when they have to apologize for your behavior, even though they, they love you. Mm-hmm. They have to, to walk around and apologize for you. Yeah, he was complicated. Okay. Great coach. Uh, you know, I've never, when I make a list like a, a, a Mount Rushmore or something similar, of great coaches, I generally never include college coaches. I put them in their own category. Why? Okay. So uh, I just do. Okay. Because, you know, I just, I mean, one is coaching kids and the other are coaching men. 
So maybe that's why. Uh, but Bobby Knight is probably one of the top three college coaches in the history of college basketball. He had a huge impact on the game. Uh, you know, there's no denying that. Uh, and uh, you, can't, you know, you can't. You're not. You don't have to deny the talent to uh, have a lack of respect for the way he he handled himself. And I know there's countless stories about his compassion, about how he reached out to people, how he would help people. Like I've always said, good deeds are not a deodorant, okay? They don't wash away the bad, okay? So, uh, I mean, I thought he was a bully, but an absolute great coach. Okay, fine. Where do you, like, give me right now the top three coaches off the top of your head of American sports. And by the way, like I was just thinking about it as I asked you the question before, I am sure that there are great coaches in sports that we're not even considering, I think what we're considering is basketball and football. Um, probably men's and basket, men's football, uh, college and pro, men's basketball, college and pro. Even though Gino Oriema and Pat Summit and probably a few others could be considered, but if I ask you to tell me right now who the top three American sports coaches of all time, pro or college, are, give me your top three. What are the first three that come to mind? I would say uh, Red Auerbach, Bill Belichick, and Vince Lombardi. The first th- three that would come to my mind, because I wrote them down before I pulled up a list, Wooden, Lombardi, and Belichick. Uh, and, and the funny thing is, that's what I wrote down, and I don't agree with what I wrote down, because <laughs> I actually don't know how great of a coach John Wooden was. I know what I've read, and I've read a lot of books about Wooden. Um, and I know what people believe he was, but it just was such a different time, and UCLA was in a different world. Um, yeah. And like I personally think Dean Smith is the best college basketball coach that I've ever seen in my lifetime, and Wooden is just barely in my lifetime. You know, at the end of his career. Um, like Dean Smith was the best strategy, you know, strategy, innovator, everything. Uh, I, I wrote Lombardi down, but I didn't see Lombardi coach. Don Shula, to me, in my lifetime of watching football, is probably the best football coach I've ever watched. I just think he could do it with his against yours and yours against his. And I, he just seemed to always have teams that were better than what they should have been, including, by the way, his 72 Dolphins, which was a good team, but it's not the greatest team of all time. But they went undefeated. Um, and then, so I, I, I wrote down Shula and Dean Smith, even though the first things I, I wrote down, uh, Lombardi, Wooden, and Belichick. Uh, Belichick is, God, I mean, I don't know, people, oh, I can't believe we haven't gotten to that story yet. Because I dismissed it so much on my radio show today, did you see what Mike Florio discussed about Belichick to, to yes. Washington? All right, we will get to that. Yes, yeah, so let's, let, let, let's be clear about this. Yeah. And I may be wrong about this, but Mike Florio said that people around the league believe this is what the yes, commanders he said, are going to do. He, he said the chatter. He didn't say this is he what the commanders are thinking. No, he didn't report it. He made it very clear that he wasn't reporting it. We'll get to that. 
I'm glad we remembered because I did not have it written down for the show. We will get to that, I promise you. Um, uh, so those are your coaches. Our back. Yeah, you know, Lombardi. a lot of it has to do with legacy and impact, you know, years after they coached. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's, that's our back in Lombardi to me. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you've, you know you, I'll, tell, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what you've said to me before. Paul Brown's influence on the game, right? This is you who, who always claims that Paul Brown yes. has to be on that list and that his influence. Well, Belichick does. Yeah. Belichick talks about Paul Brown all the time. Yeah, I know. Um, look, look, Coach Thompson used to tell us about a great uh, basketball coach named John McClendon. Yeah, right. Of course. North Carolina. Who probably yep. should get consideration on any top ten list of greatest coaches of all time. Right. With the impact and influence he had. Uh, and Eddie Robinson at Grambling. Very impactful coach as right. well. True. 100%. In fact, you know the list that I just pulled up, he's on that list. Eddie Robinson's yeah. on a lot of these lists. Uh, here are some of the people. So this was a um, this was a list put together by Sporting News not that long ago. All right, so here it is. Here's the list. Number one on the list is Wooden. Number two is Lombardi. Number three is Bear Bryant. Number four is Phil Jackson. Five Shashevsky. Six Shula. Uh, seven Scotty Bowman. Eight Casey Stengel. Uh, we didn't consider baseball rock either. Uh, Red Auerbach, 9. Nick Saban, 10. Bobby Knight, 11. Newt Rockney 12. Pat Summit 13. Paul Brown, 14. Dean Smith, 15. Joe McCarthy, Tommy, 16. Belichick, 17. Manager of the Yankees and then the Red Sox. Yeah. Paterno, 18. Hallis, 19. Larusa 20. Chuck Knoll. Pat Riley. Joe Gibbs comes in at 23. Popovich, 24, Walsh, 25, and then Eddie Robinson's 26, and then the list goes on and on and on. It's actually a, a list of the top 50 greatest coaches of all time. I'm trying to see who else is on this list. Parcells comes in at 37, Woody Hayes, 31, Landry, Tom Landry, 27. Man, Cowboy fans would hate to see Tom Landry all the way down at 27 behind a lot of NFL coaches. All right. Um, anything else Joe on McCarthy, this? Joe McCarthy. Yeah, tell me. Joe McCarthy and Casey Stangle both had seven World Series titles. Wow. They're their names. That's unbelievable. And you know what? You know who needs to be in the conversation? Who? The guy who won the World Series last night. Bruce Bochy. I'm, I was happy for him. Four World Series titles. Two different leagues now. I had that scheduled for our final segment today, but we can talk about it now yeah. since we're going to replace that with um, with the Belichick story. But uh, I that that game last night, I mean, Zach Allen pitched so incredibly well. Like that was a that was a really exciting watch to watch him go out there. And at the same time, by the way, Evaldi, he's getting through all of those innings with runners in scoring position in almost every inning. Yeah, it was actually really. A great game until it wasn't, you know, at the end. Um, but Texas wins it in five. You know, the former Senators, Frank Howard yeah. Senators, 
finally won yeah. the World Series. 11 years in D.C., and then since 72 in Texas. Uh, amazing that it, they've been there since 72, and this was their first World Series. Uh, not a not a great World Series, huh? The first game was a yeah. good game. Yes, it was. Extra inning win by the Rangers. Yeah, yeah, that first one. All right, we'll get Tommy's prediction. We'll talk about the Belichick story, and we'll do a You Heard It Here first to finish up the show right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This segment of the show brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and they will give you a cash bonus on your initial deposit. New England right now, three-and-a-half-point favorites over Washington. We'll get Tommy's prediction here uh, in a moment. Uh, I do not have a Thursday night football smell test pick, although I do like the Titans a little bit tonight against the Steelers, uh, even though we'll see whether or not Will Levis can back up his first performance from last week uh, tonight. And we don't know about the quarterback yet. We don't know if Kenny Pickett's playing or not. Uh, go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code. Fair point spreads, fair totals, fair money lines, great prop bet opportunities, and fair pricing. You're not paying, you're not overpaying, excuse me, on losses. Mybookie.ag, you've got to use my promo code, Kevin DC. All right, Tommy, give me your prediction for Sunday because it seems like it's going to be Washington big. I like a Washington win. Uh, all, the, all, the, all the pure going on right now with the, with the trades. I think there is a circle of the wagons mentality after a team goes through something like this, and it's like a shot of adrenaline that's it, that, that, that can boost them. Uh, and I think they're in we'll-show-you mode right now, and they're catching a... a a Patriots team that I think they just lost their best pass receiver for the year. Uh, they they lost receiver. Uh, they also lost Matthew Judon. They've got they've got a bunch of injuries. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know they're only two and six. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I, I tell you what, if they lose this game to the Patriots, then then you better start uh, looking at your high draft picks because the rest of the season it's just going to be one big white flag. Okay. 29-20, Commanders win. Oh, I thought it was going to even be more convincing. Um, 29-20, yeah. to I'll have my prediction tomorrow. Uh, I don't love your prediction, I'll tell you that, but, you know, who knows with the NFL. Um, 
I mean, I, I, I love it in that I hope you're right. Uh, I don't have the same feeling about Sunday that you apparently have. All right, so uh, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, was on – actually, he's now done this with several different people. But basically, I'll give you the quote. Quote, I caught wind over the weekend of some chatter in league circles with this notion that when the season ends, the commanders will trade with the Patriots to get Bill Belichick. Everyone is out. Jason Wright, team president, Martin Mayhew, general manager, Ron Rivera, head coach, all out, uh, he, he, uh, he said. Um, and, you know, he said that Josh Harris is going to approach Robert Kraft at the end of the season to try to get Belichick. So, Florio, I mean, come on. I mean, how many times has he been right as it's related to our team over the years? I mean, he had Lamar Jackson getting traded to Washington multiple times when it was so obvious that they could not pull off a trade like that while the ownership was still uh, in flux uh, last March, April, etc. Um, that's just the most recent. But uh, what's your reaction to this? Well, I mean, as I understand it, he's reporting that people are, are, are talking about this. He's not saying that the commanders are. People think that this is what the commanders are going to do. Right. People around the league. Yeah. It will be a real interesting, a remarkably interesting off season. you know? Another reason to fast forward the regular season, because the off season is really going to be off the charts. Yeah. Between the, 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 the draft... The what ninety million dollars in salary cap money that they've got available, salary cap space to sign free agents, and the the candidates that will be available for the coaching job. I mean, you know, if if you believe if if you believe Florio Belichick will be available, and Jim Harbaugh will likely be available as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, and. Uh, you know, do, do you want an owner to go about, quote, I'm not sure what the right way is, but the right way is the owner hires the next hotshot general manager in the league, and that general manager decides who's going to coach the team and then goes to the owner and says, I picked this guy. You know, why don't you interview him? Tell me what you think. Uh, like like Bobby Bethard did with get, with uh Cook, when it came to hiring Gibbs, uh, you know that that's like the right way to do it. Uh, but certainly, if you want to speed up the process and hype up the interest, Belichick or Harbaugh will do it for you. Couple of things. Number one, I I, I don't think this is the way they're going to go. I think they'll go the general manager route. You know, hiring somebody off of the you know Forty ers Ravens, or Eagles. You know, out of the you know one of those front offices, and you know whether it's that guy Adam Peters, or you know I think he's in San Francisco. The guy Borgonzi in in Kansas City, whatever. They're they're, they're going to hire. I think that's the route they're going to. They're not going to give the job to a seventy two year old guy and give him all of um, the uh, the decision making uh, authority. And you know, he's not a seventy two year old guy. He's the greatest coach in maybe in the history of the league. Hold on, I'm getting to that. Um, so I don't think it'll happen. Uh, I, I, I mean, I just don't buy this. I don't buy the chatter. There may be chatter, but I don't think there's anything to it. I just don't think that's the way. That's the way Josh Harris would proceed. Now, as far as Bill Belichick goes. 
Uh, I did this on radio this morning, and we took some calls, and then I was checking, you know, um, Twitter uh, just in between that last break to look at some of what people were saying. I can't believe how many of you out there absolutely dismiss it as something that you wouldn't even think of. Uh, it's one thing when we were talking about, you know, the the poll that the junkies did like two weeks ago, Eric Bieniemy or or Bill Belichick and Bieniemy <laughs> like had seventy percent of it. I mean, you like you seventy percent deserve to be ridiculed for that. It's a laughable answer, especially a few weeks ago. Um, but if you if you wouldn't consider Bill Belichick, I mean, what are you talking about? Of course, I would be intrigued with the idea yeah. of Bill Belichick. I, it, it, would you talk to him? Would you interview? Uh, would you? Have of a course, talk, talk I would. Of course, he's you the would. Great, he's one of the greatest coaches that's ever lived. And what if he sits down and says, "Look, I have something to prove." You know, you go out and pick a personnel guy to make the personnel decisions. I'll coach him up. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I understand people who would say. Look, I understand he's the greatest ever, and there's something that would be you know, somewhat intriguing about that, but my preference would be general manager comes in, hires the next young hotshot, and we've got a guy here for the next 10 to 15 years. You know, I understand if that's the way you're thinking. I'm not knocking that thinking. In fact, it might be the path that I'd prefer because I would be concerned about whether or not Belichick still had the fire. Now, if you said what you just said, if he said what he just said in the interview, I'd say, let's put together a five-year deal right now. And by the way, will you, by the way, will you help me pick the personnel person? I don't understand the, the idea, the idea that you wouldn't want Bill Belichick. Like, have, has our fan base been that traumatized that they can't think straight? <laughs> I mean, seriously, like. We will. Oh no, no, no! We don't need Belichick. We don't need Belichick. Yeah. We're gonna go find the hotshot new guy. Let me tell you something: the hotshot new guy, right more way. times than not, gonna, doesn't work out. They're gonna do it the right way. <laughs> the right way. Um, yeah. I don't have. But again, I, I want to be clear: I don't have a problem with somebody who says. I just would rather not go down that route because probably you're only going to have him for five years. And, you know, I want the general manager and I want the young head coach and I want, you know, I want something that has a chance to be here for a long period of time. That's fine. And by the way, I would also be, I mean, I'm as much as I'm intrigued and as much as I'm mocking those who wouldn't even consider it, like I, I don't know where that would come from, how you, how you wouldn't even consider arguably the greatest coach that's ever lived. Oh, well, because yeah. he can't okay. do anything unless he's got Tom Brady. Um, but but my point my point is I'd want to know what you just said. I'd want to know that he is, you know, yeah. th- that he's 72 about to, you know, feeling like 50, like he wants to basically slay the rest of the league and he yeah. is fired he up and he's just as sharp as ever. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Look, we just saw last night, a guy who was out of baseball come back and manage a World Series championship team yeah. that had lost, that had only won 68 games the year before, and that had spent a ton of money to change things around. If the Rangers, two years from now, if Bruce Bochy is gone and they're no good anymore, you think this World Series is going to mean less to those people? Right. 
No, you're, you're right. Now, now, I mean, you know, you do want to take into consideration things like Belichick's record without Brady and Belichick here in the last couple of years and Belichick, the personnel guy, who has clearly let down Belichick, the coach. Um, because yeah, I don't you think... Take that out of the equation. Yeah, if you take the, that... The personnel, he's, he's taken it off the table. Don't worry about personnel. You Yeah. We're going we're, we're gonna to find the right person. They're going to head up personnel, and I'm going to coach the team. Yeah, of yes. course I'd be interested. <laughs> I mean, I don't. What am I missing here? I this is a th- th- this is a bit different than the Aaron Rodgers conversation, which I was all in on Aaron Rodgers, and but I but I said specifically I need to to know he's healthy. I got I need to know after sitting down with him that he still got the the fire in his belly. You know, that he still wants to, because he's only one year removed from back-to-back MVPs. Um, Yeah. uh, And let me point out, one other thing is if you truly believe that this roster has talent, yeah, why wouldn't you want a coach like Bill Belichick? And we're not talking about a complete turnaround here. We're talking about some – if you believe this team has talent, then we're just talking about some tweaks and adjustments. Um, from Rod on Twitter, this was following the radio, that this is a resounding F no. If Harris turns into Snyder 2.0, I'm done. First of all, let me just make sure everybody's clear on something. Bill Belichick would never, ever – have come to D.C. with Dan Snyder here. Snyder could have never, in the last 10 years, following Mike, following Mike, could have never attracted anybody anymore. Um, but if you're talking about you know Dan going out and hiring Mike Shanahan and bringing Joe Gibbs back and Marty Schottenheimer, yeah, that's like almost earlier Dan to me. Um, yeah, uh, I don't want BB from 7PR. Um Who's going to develop Sam if Belichick comes in from Jay? Uh, no more dinosaurs from Fire Ron Rivera. Uh, GM first from Steven. I, I, I don't disagree with the GM and the GM hiring the coach. If you gave me the choice right now, I definitely, I, I mean, I, I think that I probably would say I don't know. I I need to be in the room to hear Belichick. I need to know if he's still the same Belichick because that is a big you know part of this. But I can't believe how many people just absolutely wouldn't do it. Hell no, from Greg. Um, why would I we? Know. Why would we want him from Cron? I, I I don't. I think I think it's an indication I, from, of how from, damaged the fan base is. From G, I don't get why you keep calling people crazy for wanting EB over BB as Belichick. If Sam and EB continue to progress together, EB's continuity with Sam plus new front office sounds better than seventy-year-old Bill Belichick, who isn't coming without full personnel, which he's been terrible at lately. Yeah, look, I take 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 the personnel off the table and let's just talk about him as a coach. Look, I, I don't want to get into the Eric Bieniemy thing. I, I, I'm rooting for Eric Bieniemy, and I think he's he, last week. And there have been some weeks where it's been like, wow, okay. And yes, Sam has progressed. Uh, you know, uh, progressed is the wrong word. He progressed last week. 
The week before, he was terrible. So from the week yeah. before, he progressed. Let's see what happens the rest of the way. Uh, no, I, I, I don't know that I would definitely say yes to Bill Belichick, but I definitely wouldn't say no to Bill Belichick, which is apparently what some of you all would do. Um, but that's what makes these sports arguments fun. All right, let's finish up the show with You Heard It Here First. I've been waiting to hear what the big announcement was going to be, and you got it right here. Heard it here first. My You Heard It Here First bold prediction for the week, Tommy. Maryland beats Penn State on Saturday. That is a You Heard It Here First on the Thursday show with Tommy. I promise you the Terps will be in the smell test tomorrow, plus the 8.5 now. That line opened at 11. It's down to 8.5. Everybody talking about Maryland's, you know, last two games and how disappointing the season's turning out to be. Maryland beats Penn State outright Saturday in College Park uh, for the first win over Penn State since their first year in the Big Ten. Um, I think Maryland's got a real shot. I really do. Penn State can't score. And Maryland's the best offensive team they may face may have faced all year long at this point, including Ohio State when, when they played Ohio State. Maryland beats Penn State. That's my bold prediction. What's yours? My bold prediction is uh, Wes Unseld <laughs> will not survive the next two months as head coach of the Wizards. They will have to fire this guy because this team is worse than even – even even tanking could imagine. Did what? you see what Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma did last night? I did. Down 20. They, threw, they were down uh, 20, yeah, yeah. and they did the alley-oop dunk <laughs> off the backboard. He threw it, threw, lobbed it off I the mean, board, yeah. You know what? Somebody I know who knows basketball, and I had a high opinion of Jordan Poole, and I'm not ready to dismiss it, but they said he's got a lot of Nick Young in him. Nick Young, good one. Uh, they covered last night against Atlanta. They were getting nine and a half. <laughs> <laughs> they, they lost by nine. Um, the, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I saw Draymond Green, uh, interviewed after the spur, after the, uh, Warriors beat the, the Kings last night. And he was just, he was talking about how the chemistry of the team is so much different this year than it was last <laughs> year. And it's all, and everybody understands if you follow the NBA, he's talking about Jordan Poole not being on the team. And, uh, and keep in mind, you know, like they added Chris Paul to that roster. And Chris Paul is not the most well liked guy in the NBA. Uh, he's a great player. But he's, you know, often been described at times as a difficult teammate. So the fact that, you know, Jordan Poole's gone, and they love the chemistry so far. The Warriors do. Um, and Chris Paul's there, says all you need to know about Jordan Poole. Uh, and um, they're, they're just going to, you know, if you're a Wizards fan, you want him to play well. You want him to really score. You want him to shoot a decent percentage so that there's some trade value at the deadline. Uh, you know that's yes. kind of why you you know you brought him back yes. in, in those in the deal was as a, as a trade ship. All right, Wes Unsell doesn't make it through two more months, and Maryland beats Penn State Saturday. Anything else? I got nothing else for you, boss. 
All right, back tomorrow. You can talk about all the motivational speeches and phrases and devices in the world, but the greatest motivator of all is your ass on the bench. There is no better motivator. Ass meets bench. Bench retains ass. <laughs> ass transmits signal to brain. Brain transmits signal to body. Body gets ass off bench and plays better. I mean, it's a hell of a sequence of things that takes place. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.